you're here, welcome. If this happens to be your first time, a special welcome to you. Um, we're just excited that you've chosen to be here. And I think, I hope, the prayer, the whole purpose of, of everything that we're doing today is, of course, we want to praise God. We want to give God glory and, and attention and our focus. But, you know, as the church, as the people here on the ground here, we have a desire, and that is for you, all of us really, to know that there is a God, for you to know that there is a God who loves you and has a purpose for you, and that comes through Jesus Christ. So all starts there. It all starts there. So from the moment you turned in off of Forest Street and came onto the driveway and onto our campus, I hope that you have, have felt welcomed and encouraged, and I know you have through worship. Was that not an incredible time of worship we had this morning? Um, and um, and I, just, I just hope that you... Um, feel that and, and, and get that. Uh, you heard it in the announcement video, but I want to repeat it. We say it every week because it's important to us, but we have a next steps wall in our lobby, and at that wall is where you can get a lot of information you might want to know about the church, about community, about what we're talking about, from community groups to our porch kids, our student ministry, our nurture team, um, just ways in which you can get involved or maybe a way that we can come alongside of you. So please uh, check that out, see it, and of course the connection card in the seat back in front of you. We want to know that you're here today and, and uh, all that. You see the light on in there. We had a baptism at 9.30. Uh, Jeremy Gerritsen, we celebrated our, it's our 12th week of, of being a church, and we've had seven baptisms by profession of faith in those weeks. So we don't see Jeremy, but how about we celebrate, since he's going to be watching online later. So yay! It's just really exciting to see how people are engaging and, and desiring more out of, of what is, you know, what God's doing. I'm going to start this morning off with a warning. Um, I know, a warning. It, and the reason I give you this warning is because, um, well, today, today's message might not feel good for you to hear it. And the reason I tell you that is because it didn't feel good for me to, to work on it. Um, it did not feel good for me to walk through this process and look at this passage of scripture and and it kind of hurt a little bit so there's a chance that it might hurt you as well and the reason I think it hurts is because we are susceptible to something that is very very deadly we are, we are we are very prone to to be to be uh, bombarded with something that is that we're just really extremely vulnerable to it. And, and I want to see, and, and I mean, the fact that I even have to start off the message with this kind of tells you that, that there's something there, and, and I want to jump into that today. So I'll start with this totally what seems maybe random to you is if you took any psych classes in college or currently taking them, you may have heard of a guy named B.F. Skinner. Anyone? Is it kind of coming back to you like... Oh, yeah, I remember kind of hearing something about this guy. Well, in the 30s, uh, Skinner developed what is a, a, what he would call a conditioning chamber. And he used rats, and the theory was that, that an animal could be conditioned to certain behavior. And so he put these, these, these rats in a conditioning chamber, and in there was a lever or a button, if you will. And he thought, okay, we're going to give a reinforcing stimulus in this conditioning chamber and a, and a punishing stimulus and see what happens. What do the rats do? 
And so the rats, they could go to the reinforcing one and push the button, and it would give them a, a positive reinforcement like food or water. Okay? And then if they push the other button, the, the, the punishing stimulus, it would give a little shock to their little rat feet. Okay? So, and so the rats learned over very quickly, they were conditioned to only choose the button that gave them a reward. Now, a couple of decades later, two other guys named Olds and Milner took Skinner's conditioning chamber and, and they kind of built upon it. And they said, okay, you can condition them to choose positive or negative. What if we gave them you know, two positives? What would happen then? How would, what would the conditioning look like? And so they put in this chamber with the rats again, but this time they had, like, they'd kind of developed a little bit more. And there was this theory that there is a place in the brain of animals, of creatures, that actually where, where the positive stimulus is, where we experience good feelings, euphoria, um, uh, just you know, the, the most of the most. There's a place in the brain where that happens. And so they got these electrodes, and they put them in the little tiny rat brains. I don't know why I'm making that voice when I talk about the rats. And, their little and they put the electrodes in their, in their brain, and then, so they said, all right, now let's see what happens. And they put them in the conditioning chamber, and they had two options. And, or they had an, there was a button in there that they could push, and when they pushed that button, talk, this was their reinforcing stimulus, it sent these little vibrations into the electrodes to that place in their brain, and they experienced euphoria. And after a period of time, they found that these rats were pushing this button 7,000 times an hour foregoing food and water just to hit that button. Just so they could, could hit that button. And so this was that. They said, okay, there is that place in the brain. There's, something's happening there. There's this reward center, this, this pleasure center, this, the activation of which it's, it can't be, you know, it's, it's naturally it's just crazy. So here, we're going to do this and the electrodes are going to go and they lost their minds and the nasty condition that you and I are susceptible to the, the thing that we are this deadly disease folks is self it's self and we have taught ourselves and we have conditioned ourselves like lab rats that's a great comparison today to push the button and push it anytime we want to choose ourselves, We push that button over anything, over anyone, for our ego, to justify our feelings, to justify our actions. We choose self. I don't know if you knew this. I did not know this, but after extensive research with Google, I found out that... Um, the area of our brain, some of you are really good at this, so you're going to get what I'm about to say, but some of you like to give gifts, you know, you like to give a gift. Well, just as an example, the same area of our brain that, you know, like when you get excited, you give someone a present, and you're like, oh, I can't wait for you to open it, and that, you, know, you feel kind of like you're excited, the same area of the brain is affected as when you see someone, and you're like, oh, they're really good looking. It's the same area of the brain that we, the physical attraction, it's all, it's all right there. It's, it's there, and, and, and it's a God-given thing. It's, it's a God-given place. But folks, like, like lab rats, what we have done is we have conditioned ourselves 
to just hit this pleasure-inducing button whenever we can. At any time, like lab rats, we just want to avoid discomfort, and we choose self. Sometimes even foregoing what's good for us, we will choose self. And as we conclude this series on community, we're looking at Ephesians chapter 4 today. And uh, while you're turning there, I, I wanted to, you know, as we've been in this series, and, you know, I'm always, I, my brain is weird. You've probably deduced that by now. But I'm kind of always asking questions, and I'm thinking about this. And, and I've had conversations with people. I've had them with myself. I've had them with others. And, and I've, I've taken a few different questions that have come up about community, about community groups, about what does it mean to be in community, what does the church look like when we call it a community. And, and I've kind of boiled them down to one question. And, and this might not necessarily be exactly what you might ask, but I know it's a question that has been asked, and, and maybe you have asked it before in some way, shape, or form. But I, I've kind of come up with this question regarding community, what someone might ask, and it's this. Why is the community I long for so difficult to find? Like, you know, like, you have this longing within you. Like, when you hear me talk about community and we say community is so important, you're kind of going, yeah, I do want that, but it's hard to find. It seems as if everyone else has it and I don't, but, but I long for this community. Why is it so hard for me to find community? And, and I think about that. I know that when we talk about community groups, for example, that for a lot of us, we think, man, it would just be great if we could just, if I could just show up. You know, I don't even know if I can commit to be there every week, but it would be wonderful to know that there's a group that I could show up to, I could, I could come in, and, and my life is so crazy. It would be so great to walk in and let someone else, you know, be driving the discussion, let someone else facilitate it, let someone else have it, and just... If I could just show up and be there maybe two or three times a month, and, and, and I just need to kind of let it, I need to share what's going on in my heart and what's in my life, and, and I feel like things are just kind of out of control, and I need people to hear me. You know, we think this, like, is, is I need this. I mean, we, we go, okay, is this something I want? Is this something I need? I, I long for this kind of community where you come in and you go, wow, I wasn't, I didn't even know if I should come tonight, but I'm really glad that I did. Man, I'm so glad that I came. I'm so glad that, you know, I, I sat there and I shared, and, and some people in there really, they kind of validated what I'm feeling, and, you know, I heard them say, oh, I'm going through it too, and, and you can kind of hear that, and, you know, it, it's kind of, I think there's a longing that we have. But that kind of question, why is the community that I long for so difficult to find, it leads me to two other questions. And this is really the part that hurt. This is the part that, that hurt me as I was contemplating this this week. The first one is this. When we talk about community, are we seeking to be served in community? Or are we seeking to serve in community? Are we seeking for someone else to serve us? When we think about community, and we think about community groups, and we think about being around other people, are we thinking, how can other people serve me? Or when we think about community, and we think about community groups, are we thinking, how can I serve others? 
what part can I play in all this? And I think the, the reason that finding a community that we long for can be so difficult is because we have conditioned ourselves to hit the self button. We've become conditioned to it. I'm not saying you're a bad person because of it. I'm just saying when we think about community, how often do we think about self? Instead of about others. And I get it. I mean, we need, you know, there's that, you know, please will someone hear me? Will someone will someone comfort me? Will someone acknowledge that this is that's going on, that I'm even present? I understand that. And I can just hear someone asking and saying, Shannon, but isn't that the purpose of the body of Christ? Aren't we supposed to be there for each other and lift each other up and pray for each other and carry one another's burdens? Yes, without a doubt. But I just have to point out that often what we seek from other people, folks, we should be seeking from God and God alone. The validation that you really, really, really need, it's not going to come from people. Not completely, not fully, not consistently. The encouragement you need, it's great to have someone to say, I get it, I'm with you, I got you. But the ultimate, the complete hope and encouragement and promise is found and validation is found in God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. But see, if we just go around and go about our business choosing self, our focus isn't on God. It's on us. And then it's on others. How can you help me? You know, Justin, you know, well, he started off this series talking about how we can take the idea of community and we can make it a negotiable. It can, we can take it or we could leave it. And, and the truth is, we can. I mean, every single day, you and I have the, the option whether we are going to choose self or whether self or whether, sometimes, you know, the or we're going to choose God. Every Every moment, tomorrow morning, the alarm goes off. What's the first button you hit? And then the second one? Is it? Could it possibly be? Self? So I propose that instead of us searching for a community that we think we need, that our focus should be on finding a community that most needs us. I mean that in regard to the church. I mean that
mean that in regard to community groups. I mean that in regard to uh, how you spend your your time. Where are you spending you know, your hobbies and your interests and your and your spare time and and all those things? How can you most be present for Christ instead of just being there for self? Paul is uh, talking to the church in Ephesus. <laughs> He's trying to help them out. He's he's doing. I mean, he's really. He wants them to be. He wants them to understand that being a Christ follower, that their lives should be different. That their lives should no longer be what it used to be, what it looked like, the life they knew, um, the way they lived it. It should be different now. And he's writing, beginning in verse seventeen of Ephesians four. And he says this, and and he gets your attention right away. He says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Well, that's when everyone should lean in, because this, this is important here. And then he says, live no longer as the Gentiles do. Now, what he means by this is not necessarily that there's the Jews and the Gentiles, because a lot of us in here would say, well, I'm pretty sure I'm a Gentile. What he means by this, this was the early going of the church, and what he means by Gentile is that those who were not of the faith, if you were Gentile, you were not claiming the, the faith in, in, in Christ and in God. That's what he means. So he's saying, live no longer as the people who are not, the people who don't know God and don't live like them anymore. Don't live like them anymore. And he says, they are hopelessly confused. Now I want you to think about the words that Paul uses here because when I think about self and us, how we have this option to pr- choose self. We can become incredibly confused about what is real, what's healthy, that by by choosing self, we actually, our heart changes and our mind changes, we're conditioned. It's a real thing. And he says, for they are hopelessly confused. And he says, their minds are full of darkness. The only only button that these people know about that Paul's writing is self. It's the only thing they know. And he says, they wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Why? Because they have chosen self. They have no sense of shame. I mean, how would you have shame if you didn't know? If your heart was hardened and your mind is clouded and you're confused, how would you even know you should feel shame? They don't feel it. He says they live for lustful pleasure. Now I know when most of us hear that word, we we go to the you know the flesh, right? We go to that place, and that's definitely one of the things Paul is talking about. But let's be real here for a minute, folks. We can lust after a lot of things that have nothing to do with attraction or physicality. having a really bad day and we go to Target some dudes in here are going what 
are so many things that we can lust after. It's not always just that. And I want us to get that because, you know, we can read this and be like, oh, well, I don't have an issue with that, so move along. No, no, folks, we choose self so much. And Paul is writing to them, and he's saying, don't do this. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Well, listen, if you've been conditioned, you could push this button 7,000 times an hour. That's what the rats did. Foregoing what was good for them. Food and water. Verse 20, he says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. This is not Jesus. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, and then I love this imagery he gives us. He says, since you know Jesus, since you've heard about Jesus, he says in verse 22, throw off the old sinful nature. Throw off the old sinful nature and your former way of life. What was their former way of life? Self. What's our former way of life? Self. What are we prone to every single moment of the day? Self. And Paul says, throw that off. You see, do you hear that there's a choice in here? He doesn't say that God magically removes the old self. He says, no, no. You throw it off. Throw off that old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Why? Because their mind is clouded. Their hearts are hardened. And I love this. Verse 23, he says, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. There needs to be some rewiring, folks. We have been conditioned conditioned to choose self and he's not saying hey listen throw off that old way because Jesus came and Jesus you know he preached this really incredible like life message and then he was crucified dead and buried and he rose again and now he is risen and and best of luck to you no no he says throw off that old way of life because of Christ and let the Holy Spirit work in you let the Holy Spirit renew your minds, renew your thoughts, renew your attitudes that have been conditioned to choose self. Let the Holy Spirit renew that. And then he says, there's some action here, there's, there's responsibility here. So we've thrown off the old nature. We're asking the Holy Spirit to work in us. And then he says in verse 24, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And Paul paints this picture of, of just throwing off that self and putting on the righteousness of God and allowing the Holy Spirit of God to, to work in our mind, to change what was been conditioned. And friends, if we don't address our selfishness. If we don't get this, if we don't understand that this is us, and if we don't stop living as if the world revolves around us, I say this, and I'm saying it, I've been saying it to myself all week. We are going to be fairly useless in Christ-centered community. 
if we are constantly choosing self. Now you can be here, you can show up, but you'll be like a placeholder. It's like you could just be a member of it. That's why we're really intentional here. We don't we don't join, we don't become members. We partner in ministry together. We want to come alongside of each other and, 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 and help one another and, and do what it is that, that, that we have been called to do. Because see, the reality is, folks, the old self that Paul talks about, it's, it's actually what Jesus came to die for. He came to die to us choosing self. And he says there, remember he said to put on, to put on your new nature created to be like God. Well, folks, there is greater joy, and I think, I think we know this deep, deep down. There is greater joy in serving others than there is in serving self. But sometimes our minds get so clouded, they, our hearts get so hardened that we forget this. And we actually think that self is better. But I believe that we've all had glimmers of these times in our life. Whether, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, I believe that God-given place in your brain that understands what, what that euphoric, joyous feeling is, that we know that it's actually better for us to serve. It's better for us to think of others than it is to think of self and there's greater joy in this and, and if so if we are supposed to say okay I want to throw off that old nature I want to put on this new nature that was given uh, by Christ that Jesus has made this possible for me to put on this new life I want you to understand when we put on Christ and we put on his very nature folks the nature of Jesus is this he came to serve not to be served the nature, if we're saying, I need to throw off self, and we put on Jesus, well, Jesus came to serve. And as Christ followers, we are called into community. Is it perfect? No. But it is what has been given to us. We have been called into community. We are not supposed to just make a, a, a have a moment of of saying yes, and that's it. Yes, God, I believe. I believe Jesus died for my sins so that I could be forgiven and live new life. That is not the end. That's the beginning. And we are, So we are called into community, not so that we can be served, so that we can serve other people. And so I have this challenge for you, and I know the reality is probably, probably not going to happen, but I'm going to offer it to you anyway. As we've been in this community series, maybe anytime you hear a message by anybody speaking anything, you might be tempted to go, all right, how does this help me right now? How does this fit for me? How does this make me feel? And we need to do that. We need to, we need to examine our heart. We need to, we need to have some introspective, you know, time where we're not just, you know, the that we're making sure that our heart is right and that, our, and that we are surrendered to God. But that's the whole point. It's not just to focus on self. It's to bring self back to God. 
But if we tend to go, okay, well, how, what's this mean to me? How can I help? How can this help me and all that? I would encourage you from this point forward to listen and, and hear what is, what is shared and go, okay, how can I do my part in this? What's my part in this? What's my role in this? Okay, I hear Shannon saying that community is so important. What's my part to play in it? Not, can I find the one that is just right for me that I can show up to occasionally, lay everything out, let someone else pick up the pieces, walk out the door. Because folks, that is self. What's my part to play in all this? Because I believe that as we, we take focus off of ourselves, as we, we find real Christ-centered community, because then it's not self-centered community anymore, it's Christ-centered community, that we will, we will see, we will understand, we will grasp, we will, we will, we will be all into what God is doing. We're starting a new series next week. And we've been very intentional. The, our first series, we said, what are we going to do as a church? His church will too. And we looked at that. And it was a powerful series. And we've talked about these last five weeks about the purpose of community. Well, we're going to spend the, the next month of October talking about impact. And folks, if we don't have a little bit of a handle on what community is and what it looks like or what it should be, then we're really going to miss impact. And the very first thing we've got to do what I've been working on this week, what I encourage you to be working on, is to spend a little time and go, oh my goodness, how much, how often do I choose self? God, will you forgive me? I've chosen self over others. I've chosen self over my own good. The good things you have for me, God, I have been choosing self. been choosing self over others self over over my purpose i've my mind has been clouded my heart has been hardened i have not wanted to see what is bigger or more because i just want to focus on self lord forgive me renew my mind by your holy spirit god help me to throw off that old nature if i'm I'm starting to put it back on, Lord, would you help me to, to just throw it off? I want to put on the righteousness of God. Would you pray with me? morning that we actually are saying God yes it, this did not feel good 
and thank you, God, that it did not feel good. Because I'm used to feel good. I'm used to seeking out feel good. Lord, thank you that today did not feel that good because I need it to wake me up, God. I need it. I need to see you. I know that you have given life. It comes through Jesus. God, my sin has been choosing self. I want to choose Jesus. Look. Mm-hmm. 